The word of God from John chapter 3. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. You can take a seat. Uh, hey, my name is Cam. I'm one of the pastors here. If I haven't met you, I would love to. I would want nothing more than that just to meet you. But um, uh, this Easter for us as a church is its not normal. It's different than it has been. It's been a devastating week for us as a church. And earlier in the week, we were informed of our beloved friend and member and community group leader, Ben Anderson, passing away. And so this weekend, we, we bring our heavy hearts and our grief and our laments. And to be honest, there's just no words for these kinds of things. And yet today, we cling even tighter to the resurrection, to the truth that Jesus still reigns. And we'll cling to that promise that death doesn't have the final word, that it doesn't have the final say. And so we love you, and we consider it a privilege to bear one another's burdens as we wait with hope for the day that God will make all things new. And so we'll continue to pray as a church family. We'll continue to pray for the Anderson family and um, be a community who draws near in these moments, leans on one another, and suffers well with, with Jesus. So let me pray for us, and then we'll get into the passage this morning. Well, Holy Spirit, we welcome you this morning. You're the Lord, the giver of life, and you're our comforter and our helper, and you are the one who opens our eyes to see the beauty of the resurrection, so we invite you to come this morning and to speak to us. We love you. 
And we just commit these moments to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we have been in a sermon series called Life in the Spirit. And it's been about understanding and experiencing the Holy Spirit together. And I don't know, the Holy Spirit is actually one of the three members of the Godhead, just in case you didn't know. He's not this creepy guy who kind of sneaks out at night and does some weird stuff. But we believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are all God. And so we are entering into the series. We've been in the series on the Spirit. And even in this passage, I don't know, there's a verse in there that you've probably seen before or heard before. Um, you maybe haven't seen it in this context. Some of you just thought Tim Tebow wrote this verse, okay? You know what I'm talking about. All right, some of you are like, he didn't? I thought that was Tim's words, for God so loved. No, it wasn't. It actually comes in the context of Jesus' teaching on the Spirit, on what the Holy Spirit does. And so this morning, we get a window into a private conversation with Jesus. I mean, oftentimes he's preaching to the masses, he has healing services, or he just has his kind of close disciples. But this morning, the passage that we read, we get a one-on-one sitting across the table, Nicodemus and Jesus. And that's where it starts. See, Nicodemus is this respected religious leader of the day. He's well thought of, and he actually stands out amongst most of the other Pharisees and religious leaders because where most of them are coming with accusation, Nicodemus, he comes with questions. And he doesn't address these questions in public, but he actually approaches Jesus in private. It says that it came to him in the night. And you know that. You, you Safari, Google searchers, you do your best searching underneath your blanket at night. You're like, what does this mean? Or you know the best like YouTube algorithm rabbit trails. They always happen between like 9 p.m. and 2 a.m. They just always do. So Nic- you know this kind of feeling that Nicodemus has. He's like, the lights are off, and now I'm going to ask the questions that I really really want to ask. And so he approaches Jesus and he says, we really think that you might be from God. He says, no one can do what you are doing unless you're from God, right? And Jesus, well, his response is, well, it's a little unexpected. It's, it's altogether surprising to us. And most of the time his answers are, by the way, he rarely wants to answer our superficial questions by just kind of answering and alleviating the, 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 the doubt or the wonderings that we might have, but he almost always goes right for the heart. He always takes us on a journey and appeal away layer by layer by layer to get to the core of our desires and what we really long for. And so that's what he says to Nicodemus. He says, Nicodemus, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. I don't know if you can sense Nicodemus in this moment, right? He's like, wait, what? Bro, like that's not at all what I was asking, right? He's confused, like, okay, that's not what I meant, but, and then he kind of gets lost and he's like, wait, but what do you mean, like, I'm a man, like, I'm a grown man, Jesus, and you want me to be back in my mind, like, wait, what? So he asks Jesus, and then Jesus replies to him, he says, yeah, Nicodemus, if you want to enter the kingdom of God, you have to be born again. You must be born of water and the Spirit. And Nicodemus is like, bro, this is not what I came for. I don't know what you're talking about. And we hear it with similar ears too, right? And we have like this kind of weird cultural Christianity around that phrase, born again. You know, some of you, that's your Twitter handle. You're like, born again believer. It's great. It's fine. All right. I, I, uh, my barber it was out of town uh, a couple weeks ago. I needed a, it was a couple months ago. I needed a haircut. So I hit the waiver wire. You know, I signed somebody to a one-day contract to give me that haircut. I say, come on, bro, come through. This guy's cutting my hair, and he asked me, like, the, the question that I'm always a little bit nervous to get, you know. 
Cam, what do you do for a living? I'm like, oh, here we go. Well, I'm a pastor. You know, it's like, I have no idea what you're about to say. So I'm a pastor. He goes, no kidding. You know, cuts my hair. I'm a born again believer myself. And I was like, dude, listen, I'm a pastor and that makes me uncomfortable. Like don't lead with that ever. Okay. So I just want to, just a little coaching tip right now. If you're trying to like introduce people to faith, don't just lead with like being born again. Cause it's just confusing. Right? So we feel it. Nicodemus feels it. We're like, what do you mean? Born again. And why does Jesus tell Nicodemus, who's coming with all these questions, that he needs to be born again? I mean, isn't it a little dramatic? You're like, okay, relax, Jesus. Why not just say this? Hey, Nicodemus, here's the thing. You just need one more spiritual step. Nicodemus, if you just had a little bit more biblical obedience. Yo, Nick, listen to this, bro. If you just cut this one thing out of your life, you're going to see everything that you want to see. But he doesn't say that. He says, Nicodemus, you must be born again if you want to see the kingdom of God. And because to trust Jesus and to follow Jesus is not about just adding one more thing to our life. It's not about going from a bad person to a good person or like a decent person and becoming a little bit better. But it is fundamentally about moving from death to life. It's about being recreated, remade, restored. 2 Corinthians 5 says that therefore if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That the old has gone and the new is here. To be born again is to be given an entirely new identity, to no longer be identified by what you've done or what you've failed to do, but to be identified by one thing and one thing only, and that's who God says that you are. Scripture says that he who knew no sin, he became sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And that's what we celebrated on Good Friday, that Jesus the perfect, sinless one who lived the life that we could not live. He appeared before God on the cross as if he were you and me. He became our sin, our shame, our weakness, our rebellion. And he stood on the cross as if he were you and me, and he became it. He paid the penalty that we couldn't pay. And now through Jesus and only Jesus, we can become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We, before, we appear before God now as if we we're Jesus. We have access into his presence. And the same voice that boomed over creation as Jesus went into the river, he comes back out and the voice booms. It says, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. Now through Jesus, that is the voice, that is the declaration over our life. That is what it means to be born again. And Jesus is explaining this to Nicodemus, which is interesting, right? He's saying, Nicodemus, you don't need just a little extra sauce, bro. You don't need just a little more. You need to reorient everything about yourself. And it's interesting that he chooses Nicodemus. Nicodemus, the righteous one. Nicodemus, the one who's held in high honor, high prestige in the community. The ones from the outside looking in, they would look at Nicodemus and they would say, he's got all the answers. He's got all the stuff. His life is in order. His family's in order. He's the guy. And, Nicodemus, and Jesus to Nicodemus says, you must be born again. And so Jesus is making it very clear, based on what he's saying and who he's talking to, that the ground is level when it comes to Jesus. When it comes to coming to Jesus, we all come with need, and it's the same need. Nicodemus seemingly has it all together, but Jesus, he, he can see right through that. And so much of our lives is us trying to present ourselves in a certain way. And I just want to say, Jesus can see right through it. He sees what you're feeling. He sees what you're going through. 
He sees the lack and the need and the hurt and the pain that you carry. And we all carry it. It's because we're infected by this thing that we call sin. The scriptures refer to it as sin. And what sin is, is sin is rejecting God. It's turning away from him and it's trying to meet our deep needs with our own resources. It's trying to meet our deep longings with our own resources, with our own stuff. And commentators would say this is, what, this is, a, this is an all-encompassing definition of what Jesus means when he says the kingdom of God. That he's saying this is everything the human heart longs for. Romans says that the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And it's what we long for, right? We long to be made right. We long for things to be made right. We long for peace inside our souls, and we long for peace in the world. We long for this deep, real joy, sustainable happiness that isn't moment by moment. We long for the kingdom of God. All of us do. We have way more in common that separates us, and almost all of us have the same core longing. But how we go about meeting those longings and those needs is where we see the differences. Mark Sayers, he says it this way. He says, we want the kingdom of God. We all do. But we don't want the king. And it's in response to that that Jesus says, we must be born again. Not just do better or try harder. That's because his chief concern is not what you must do, but who you must become. Jesus is concerned not with just fixing a part of you, but revealing and having your entire nature renewed and restored. And it's why he follows with this in verse 6. He says, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. Said another way, a person who is born of the flesh will become a flesh person. And the person born of the Spirit becomes a spirit person. And so Jesus, he's contrasting two ways of life here. The way of the flesh and the way of the Spirit. And some of you are like, bro, the flesh? Really? On Easter Sunday, you're going to bring out the flesh. Because it's a weird word. It's a spiritual word. It's a Christian word that we tend to use a lot. Like no one's on the news like, you know, the problem with society today. It's the flesh, you know? My barber, that guy who come out, he probably does say that, to be honest, right? He's like, he's like, bro, these people in their flesh, you know? And I'm like, amen, bro, I'm a pastor. We get it. We link, you know? It's no. We don't say that. So what is the flesh? What does that actually mean? What is the spiritual jargon that that, that, that refers to, that Jesus, is ex- that Jesus is explaining to us? And well, if sin is us trying to meet those deep needs with our own resources, what the flesh really is is our own resources, it's our own life. The flesh is our own strength and wisdom and abilities. And one proverb says, it says that there's a way that seems right to man, but it leads to death. That's the flesh. It's our bent towards ourself, towards our own view and vantage point. It's the self-protection, the self-provision, the selfish desires that we have. It's the flesh. And he says those who are born in the flesh, you'll only always experience being a flesh person. And some of you, right when I said flesh and spirit, you knew where I was going because you've been in a Hobby Lobby before and you've seen it or you follow a Christian Instagram accounts. See how I crossed all the generations right there? Some people were like, yeah, Hobby Lobby. And some of you are like, oh, IG, I know that. You know, you get it, right? You know where I'm going, Galatians chapter five, this beautiful portion of scripture that has maybe one of the most clear differences and tensions that we can see in the flesh and the spirit. 
And the Apostle Paul, he defines it when he looks at Galatians 5. He says, this is what a life born of the flesh looks like, a life independent of the Spirit by your own resources. In the message version, it says, it is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper, ugly parodies of community, and the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone and turning them into a rival. I mean, hello, 2022. Can we be honest in church this morning? Can we just be honest? Loneliness is an epidemic. Anxiety is at an all-time high. Division everywhere. The ongoing pursuit of more. Our culture, our world, our own lives are so defined and led by what the scriptures say, the flesh. It's the flesh. But Paul, he says it even another way, and Jesus as well, he says, but then he says this of the Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit, the life that comes by the way of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And some of you, your whole life, you've been reading that like a to-do list. You're like, I'm a believer now. I'm a born-again believer I got to start doing these things. I got to be loving. I got to be more kind. And you've tried and you've white knuckled it and it's failed you. And can I just put this verse into what it really means? It says the fruit of the spirit. It's not the fruit of your own actions or your own efforts or your own strivings, but it's the Holy Spirit inside of you that has this life that it wants to produce in you. Paul is not giving us a to-do list when he says this, but he's actually giving us, he's vision casting is what he's doing. He's saying there are two ways that you can live this life. One is by your own resources and one is by the way of the Spirit. And one sounds so much better. It's the life that only He can produce in us. And that's what Jesus says. He says the wind blows whatever and wherever it wants. He says just like you can hear the wind and where it comes from and where it's going He says, so it is with people who are born of the Spirit. He says, the Spirit, it's like wind, you know? Like you can't see wind, but late at night sometimes you can hear the wind. You can't see the wind. You can't actually put your eyes on the wind, but when the wind is blowing, you know the trees are moving and you can see the effects of the wind. He says, so it is with people who are born of the Spirit, that they move differently and they act differently and they talk differently and I can see a difference. I can't see the Spirit, but I can see the effects of of the Spirit. And so on this Resurrection Sunday, it's what we celebrate. We celebrate what Romans 8 says, that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the Spirit of God, is now available to us. That we can't see Him, but we can see the effects. We can see the God who changes and transforms us, who can be a comforter to us and a helper to us. And who can empower us to do and be things that we could never be without ourselves. And let me say this, it is a promise of Jesus. It's not wishful thinking or just like, you know, that's cool, that's cute, that, it's always, hang it on the Hobby Lobby. It's not, a, it's not that, it's a promise that life with the Spirit is available to us. And we can't help but sit in that moment and hear that invitation and ask the same question Nicodemus asks, right? How... How is that possible? How do you, how? 
How, Jesus? Is there spirit people? And Jesus, well, he ends and he brings this climactic conclusion of this one-on-one conversation. See, some of you, you thought this verse, you thought it was either Tebow, that was option one, or two, that he was standing on a rock before thousands of people and he preached, for God so loved the world, you know, but isn't it interesting? One-on-one, across the table, he looks Nicodemus in the eyes and he says, you know, Nicodemus, God loves humanity. God loves people so much that he sent his only son in the world and that anyone who believes in him would have life and would have life with him forever. That he didn't send him into the world to condemn the world, Nicodemus, but to rescue the world. One-on-one. He looks across the table, and you can sense the personal invitation, the personal voice of Jesus to us this morning, for God so loves you. And in the same breath, you can can experience and sense the enormity of the invitation that whosoever would believe in him, whoever, however, whenever, the arms of Jesus are open, says whoever believes in me, believes in him. And that word's interesting, right? Believe. I mean, what, is that, what does that actually mean, Jesus, to believe? I mean, does it just mean to intellectually agree with this kind of thing that you're saying? Does it mean to like clench your fists and close your eyes and believe, you know? What's the soccer show? I can't think of his name right now. Do we just hang the poster up on our church and just be like, believe? Soccer show, nobody can help me. Ted Lasso, there's my people. We're alive in church. Gotta throw some Ted Lasso out. Hello. Believe. What does it mean? Frederick Bruner, one of our favorite commentators, he says that a modern word, a better word in our cultural moment would be to trust. And he actually digs even deeper. He says it's actually closer to the word relax. That makes some of you uncomfortable. You're like, relax? Not in church, Cam. Not in church, bro. Especially you guys in the front row. I can see your eyes raised. Relax, not me. But what if believing... Or trusting in Jesus has a lot more to do with letting go and falling back into Jesus than it does gripping tight and stepping up. I mean, what's the way into the kingdom of God? How does he say it to Nicodemus? Isn't it interesting? He says, you want to see the kingdom of God, Nicodemus? He doesn't say, suit up, soldier. It's time. Put your shoes on. Put your, put your weapons out. Let's go to war. But he says, you must be born again. <laughs> no, you don't suit up, but you take on the neediness and the weakness and the utter dependence and helplessness of a newborn. You ever had a newborn? You ever held one of those things? They do nothing. They have no nothing. They just do nothing. <laughs> like, there's, they add nothing. And people are just like, oh, it's so beautiful. And I'm like, you're lying, unless it's your kid, to be honest. <laughs> we can be honest in church, right? Okay. They do nothing but need they need, they, need. They, have, they, they bring nothing to the table. He says, you want to know the way in to the kingdom, Nicodemus? You, Nicodemus, the religious one, the one who has it together, you want to know the way in? Become like a baby. Be born again. Fall back into Jesus and trust your weight into his loving care. And so this Easter morning we celebrate because we celebrate a God who pursues us 
A God who initiates with us and who is so in love with humanity that he sends his son not to condemn us, not to point a finger, but to open up his hands and and to invite us, to rescue us. And then to live the life that we couldn't live. And he lives the life that we couldn't live and he dies the death that we deserve. And he invites us to rest and relax in him. And we celebrate a risen Jesus who doesn't stay on the cross who's acquainted with our grief and can sympathize with us in every way, but who also raises from the grave three days later, who defeats death. says death loses its sting. It doesn't have the final word. And so we celebrate him who rose from the grave and who ascends into heaven, and then he sends his spirit to us, his own life, his own energy, his own resources to live and be with us and empower us to do what we could never do by our home. And one of my favorite authors, he says that the way in is the way on. The way that we enter into the kingdom of God is the way that we continue on in the kingdom of God. In Galatians, it says that which was begun by the Spirit is it now perfected by the flesh. That which was begun by his resources, do you try by yours now? But the invitation is still to trust, to relax, to be a child in your father's arms that the humility of becoming like a kid is the way that we move forward. Being deeply in touch with our own neediness and our own weakness and our own deficiency and realizing that those things aren't the things that actually disqualify us, but they're the things that make us who we are. Those are the things that qualify us to know and to walk with and to receive Jesus. So you stand with me just as we close here. See, in John John chapter 7, Jesus, he he does what he doesn't do to Nicodemus. Nicodemus, it's one-on-one, mano-a-mano across the table, and he reveals his heart, he reveals his character. But then in John chapter 7, he stands before a crowd. He stands before the people. And he says, anyone who is thirsty, anyone who thirsts, anyone whose resources are not enough, Anyone whose need is deep enough, anyone who thirsts, and anyone who believes in me can come to me for a drink. He says, for scripture says, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. So there's an invitation to come to Jesus, to bring your pain, to bring your need, and to come to the fountain of water that never runs dry. And there's an invitation to become, to become more than you ever imagined, to become spirit people. Anyone who's thirsty, he says, let them come to me. Let's pray. Jesus, we're aware of our, our need this morning. Some of us in deeper ways than we've ever known. And even now as you're speaking to people, would you reveal our need, our, our weakness in so many ways that we cover up or we hide, but can we bring it to you knowing that that is the pathway, that is the way into experiencing life with you. So we bring our hearts to you this morning and we thank you, Jesus, for the gift and the invitation of eternal life, of life with you forever. That death has lost its sting 
And it's the Spirit who gives life to us. Thank you, Jesus. Pray all these things in your name. Amen.